Waking Wraith, written by Alexander Campbell, narrated by Alexander Campbell. Chapter 7, The Return to Festavia. On her way back home, she analysed an encounter with Wraith. To her, he was like a ball of string that needed to be untangled. She thought, he's 37 years old, a war veteran, homeless, and an addict, twitchy like a scared dog, and he doesn't remember Festavia at all. Both Wraiths on Festavia and Earth are depressed. The race she met was driven, pragmatic, spoke with etiquette and articulation. He would never surrender or give up. He was loyally devoted to the palace. He spoke with charisma and annoyingly, he would hold himself and others always to account. He was a man of depth but at times could be blinkered by a singular goal. By ensuring that she returned to Earth, he had proven to her that he was truly caring. Wraith was the best male friend she had, but both Wraiths shared a commonality. They were a shadow of their former selves. She returned to a full house. Astrid and Benny were sitting in the TV room. Several books lay scattered in the middle. Three laptops were precariously balanced on the arms of a couch and a chair. A young presenter on the bottom right of the TV screen narrated, Science and the universe is for all to discover. Come take a trip around with me around the solar system and together we shall share in its wonder. Katie chirped, he's hot. From the couch and not taking her eyes away from the laptop screen, Astride replied, yeah, and he's got brains. He was in a band too. He's my dream man. Hey, he's mine, said Benny. Katie said, I met Rafe today. Benny answered, yeah, we're on that. I'm looking to theories that can match your limbo experience. Astride is covering fairy tales. Katie was taken aback. She'd never had friends on the earth pulled together for her before. Standing next to the TV screen, Katie said with urgency, guys, I need to go to Festava tonight. I know now what's going on there is affecting here. All right, let's meditate, Estrada replied. No, I must go there in person. I just can't watch. I must have an effect. Turning the pages of her Celtic book of fairy tales, Estrada said, The only time you've been in there, in person, since you awoke, was when you went to that horrible club. Benny looked at Estrada and said, Yeah, and you girls got freaky. Massaging her chin, Katie said, Yes, on the stairs I met Dave the doorman. Then I went through the door. What door? Astride said. The same door I went through the first time I visited. It was made of oak. It was like nothing else in the club. Benny sighed. How cliche. A wormhole. Or a magical druid portal, Astride said. Katie said, that makes sense. That's where I entered. But how can the whole of Festavia fit in the dance room? Without hesitation, Benny answered. Easy. The theory of relativity and dark matter. Wormholes haven't been proven yet, but in theory, within them, anything can be compressed to fit. Time can even slow on the event horizon. That could explain why just in two weeks you had an epic adventure in there. Ashrai tutted and said, Let's not forget about the consciousness that can escape one's own body. I believe it's possible to be in two places at once. Festavia could be a place between two worlds that only the mind can travel to. That's called another dimension, dear, stated Benny. Katie said, Okay, I'm a little lost, but in summary, a portal or a hole to Festavia may be in the club, up the top of the stairs. They answered together, yes. Katie said, jinx. Benny said, although this is only hypothetical. Katie, excited, said, right, I need to get there now. Calming her down, they reminded her that the club was shut until 11pm. She'd need to wait. Thoughts rushed around her head. Ray's suffering and horrors of looks made her just want to run there and wait outside. The time slowly arrived. She was going back to the nightclub, although this time there would be no pre-drinks. 
She was staying sober. Benny and her stride, who said, not that club again, had unenthusiastically agreed to go with her. She needs to find that door. Clearing security, distinct music echoed in the hallway. Long lines formed to the tills, and even a longer line led to the cloakroom. A flight of broad stone stairs trailed up above them, and a passageway past the tills staked off round the corner. The mood in the hall was buoyant, but amongst the lines there was a shuffling patience. Reaching a till, a young female cashier who Katie guessed was a first year said, Ten pounds, please. Alarmed, Benny said, A tenner? That's steep. Katie insisted on paying for them. They made their way past the toilets where she once lay passed out and onto the R&B room. She strutted in the middle of the corridor and through the open double doors. God's Plan by Drake played and she flicked her hair. Astride, Benny trailed behind her. He whistled and howled, You little minx! She looked back and stuck her tongue out. He said to Astride, She's a regular. Dryly she answered, Oh yeah, I think Katie has more nightclub caps than David Beckham has for England. I didn't know you liked football. I don't. I just liked him. I plastered my room with pictures of his golden locks and sexy distant stairs. But now it's pale-faced vampires. Katie waited just off the bar queue. She stood tall and expectant. She laughed loudly at Benny's jokes. On each laugh she caught the looks of men dwelling at the bar. As tried felt the need to say, Katie, you said you weren't drinking tonight. Yeah, I'm not. So why are you trying to score a drink? Benny said, she's only laughing at my jokes. Above the rapping, Astride shouted, No offence, but gags about astrophysics just isn't that funny. Katie said, I'm checking if I still got it. A couple of guys wearing short-sleeved shirts, denim jeans, white pumps, and haircuts known as the Meet Me at McDonald's look, which consists of shaven sides, long tousled top, and floppy fringe clustered near her. From the corner of her eye, she noticed them nervously look over. Hmm, they need a little push, she thought. Towards them, she turned slightly. Astride watched gleefully. She thought Katie was painfully hilarious. The tallest boy in the group pushed the smallest forward. Committed to a stumbling step in her direction, he had no choice but to continue. He was the least stylish. He tried to match the others, but picked a shirt too tight and trousers too long. He tried to speak but lost his lines. Patiently, she waited. He said, Your dad's a thief. Benny widened his eyes and looked to Astride. She too was staring wide-eyed at the nervous boy. Katie controlled her growing smile and asked, Why is that? He took a breath and eventually said, He took the stars from your sky and put them in your eyes. Astri giggled with Benny. The guy waited to be blasted by Katie's shotgun. Thank you, that's very sweet. Are they your friends? Yeah, they made me do it. Simon's a tall one, he likes you. Well, give me your phone, she said. He did, and she said, Give me your finger. Squeezing his index finger, she placed it on the screen. The phone unlocked. I don't know your pin, silly. Standing next to him, she said, Give me a kiss on the cheek. He did, and the phone flashed. There, now you can post that. It's more than Simon's going to get. What's your name? Howard. Thanks, Howard. I'll see you around. Watching him swagger back to the group, Astride said, Like a queen, you gift him a selfie. Moments later, Katie was tapped on the shoulder. It was Simon, the tallest. It must be Katie happy hour, said Gastride. Simon was confident. His shirt hung from his shoulders like a coat hanger and his skinny jeans stopped at his ankles. Without hesitation, he asked, So, how about a picture of a kiss on the lips? Raising an eyebrow, she replied, Simon, don't be simple. It's not cool to bully your meat into being an opener for you. I'm glad you did, though, because he's the best guy I've talked to tonight. 
She held a silence. He left muttering, whatever. Benny said, that was harsh. She said, I see guys like that all the time. They think they're the big apes and they make their mates the little chimps. Estride said, this place is a zoo. After a quick confer of what to do next, Katie said that she needed to go up the stairs leading from the R&B room to the main dance room. Maybe there the door would reappear. Led by Katie, they ambled their way up. Upon reaching the top, she stopped. The house music from the main dance room boomed through a clear entrance. Benny stared into the room. He was inquisitive. He had not been to this club before. He much preferred a quiet pub rather than the wild chaos that shifted before his eyes. Katie pecked his shoulder with her finger. His attention came back. Benny, how can I find the wormhole? He said. Is everyone jumping on invisible pogo sticks? Frustrated, Katie said. Benny, help me. Looking back to her, he said, if there is one, I guess it will be here, but it's probably in another dimension. She thought, I must have to go back to sleep, like I was when I overdosed. Sensing Benny wasn't fully committed to her mission, she asked, Astride, any ideas? Her arms crossed, and watching the freshers dance on fast forward, she said, well, if you can only get there from here, your best bet is to meditate from the portal's entrance. Benny laughed, yeah, like that's going to happen. At the top of the stairs, Katie sat down, cross-legged. Benny looked around. He felt uncomfortable. She looked like a weirdo. She received plenty of looks of bemusement, amusement and disgust. Not caring, she breathed out deeply and relaxed. In that moment, she was free of judgment. The repetitive beats from the dance room lowered in volume, and the echoing from the R&B room below dulled. A sudden cloak of darkness wrapped around her, and for a moment it was black. Then the darkness unsheathed. Opening her eyes, she felt a surge of energy race through her body. Feeling intense tingling in her legs, she sprung up. The stairwell was quiet. Astride and Benny were still looking to the floor. Looking in the direction, she saw her own body sat still, cross-legged on the floor. Turning to face the dance room, her nose brushed against the oak pulsating door. Like it was alive, it hummed intermittently. She pressed both her palms on its thick timbers. They tickled her hands. With some force, it creaked open. Already knowing what lay ahead, she confidently stepped through. Even though she returned to destruction, she was pleased to be back in person. She shouted, Wraith! Her voice echoed around the palace's ruins. Pacing around the edge of the empty dance floor, she peered down. Wraith, it's Katie! There was a sound of a knocked tin can, and out from the dark corner appeared his tatty figure. She stepped and skipped around piles of brick and mortar, and leapt down the steps to the dance floor. He stood wearily in the middle and she sprinted to him. Pouncing back with an arm extended, he shouted, Stop! You who sounds like Katie, take not another step! She stopped and looked into his eyes. They were fierce and fueled with adrenaline. Bursting into laughter, she said, It is I, Catherine Peruzzi of Earth. I have come to wake your sorry ass up. He remained fixed and composed. It cannot be. You, you have returned. Then he thought and cried, No, I don't believe it. Do you not learn? You've done it again, haven't you? We spent all that time getting you back, and now you're back here again. Katie smiled, tilted her head and put her hands on her hips and said, No, Wraith, this time I'm back for you. Look at the mess you're in. He looked around and began to explain, but she interrupted and said she knew already. She was one of the sparrows. After a while talking, she said, Is this how you greet a long-lost friend? Give me a hug. He hesitated. Come on, Wraith, we're past that now. Under the moonlit sky... They held a long embrace. Katie rested her head on his shoulder. 
When she left Vestavia, she'd said goodbye forever. Now she was back at the start, where it had all begun. She'd changed so much in such a short time. When she first stepped into the palace, she was escaping pain and a world of confusion. Earth seemed to be raging in an undeserved war against her. She'd lost the will to fight it. Now she was not escaping Earth. She wanted to be part of it. Ray's strong heart pounded on her chest. She felt safe, warm and happy. She could stay there forever, but she remembered she had a job to do. Leaning back in his arms, she said, Wraith. He stared sadly back and answered, Yes, Catherine. We're on a level where I can say this. You, honey, stink. Need a wash. Sitting on the grassy banks of the moat, she watched him remove his shirt and wade waist-deep into the still water. The moonlight lit up his muscular contours. She coughed and decided to look around for some firewood. She shouted, Don't forget to wash behind your ears and your stinky armpits. Even though he appeared lost and disorganised, she found a circle of stones and a fire pit with fish bones. This reassured her that he was surviving. Triumphantly, he returned holding a flapping salmon. With a smirk, he chopped and the flapping stopped. She squealed and covered her eyes. It's food, he said frankly. How did you catch it? With my hands. She laughed and in a pretend male macho voice, she said, Me wraith, me warrior, I catch fish with bare hands. Smiling, he knelt to prepare the fish and said, Don't you remember? I learnt this when we trained the South Rugby team to catch fish. Yes, and you used Jane as bait. Jane, is she okay? And the others? She's fine. She flew away, although it took some persuading. Katie said, yes, she is strong-willed. Stubborn, I'd say. What about the others? Lynx, Alec, the Festival Queen, Flash, Betsy, Mickey. Of course, I made them all leave before the palace fell. Energy drained from her body, and her body shook. He asked, what's the matter? She said calmly, something's up. My body must be disturbed. I did leave it sitting in the middle of a club. Don't go anywhere. I'll be back. She controlled the twitches and convulsions and ran around the hole in the shattered drawbridge and over the rubble. Just as she reached the door, she had a twitch and violently fell back. To her surprise, Ray steadied her. He kept pace behind. Putting the door open, she said, I'll be back in a mo. Please season the fish. She opened her eyes to see, standing above her, a security man talking to his radio. A stride crouched face to face with her and whispered, You're going to get kicked out? Katie said, Distract him. I'll run to the toilets. Meet me there in ten. Astride stood up and tapped his shoulder. She insisted that Katie needed water and needed his help to jump the barque. He was reluctant to leave, but Astride tugged his arm and said, Come on, please. He took a couple of steps. That was enough for Katie to resurrect and slip away. The man turned back and shook his head and said and growled, She can't stay. She will have to leave. Astride casually replied, I agree. What a nut job. Isn't she with you? No, I was just helping. The man walked off, speaking loudly into his radio. One female, about 5'10", long brown hair, wearing a white t-shirt. Astride led a bemused Benny down the stairs, through the R&B room and to the female toilets. She left him sheepishly outside. There were several girls stood by basins touching up makeup, an aroma of sweet scent hung in the air. A charismatic attendant loudly chanted, Freshen up and wash your hands. Don't forget the ching-ching for my bling-bling. A lock from the cubicle rattled and out walked Katie, wearing a black slim-fit top, hair tied in a bun with two strands falling either side of her face. You've changed, how? asked Astride. Walking to a free basin and rummaging through her small leather bag, she pulled out a mascara and an eyeliner and replied, A spare black shirt at student night is a must. Beer stains are so tragic. She turned to a girl next to her applying a pale foundation. Hey hun, 
May I use that too? She agreed, and after five or so minutes, Katie had painted a new face. Astride smirked and said, You're a club wizardess. Puckering her lips, she handed back a borrowed lipstick and stated, There, a sexy disguise. Astride said, You look like a panda who's eating the jam sandwich. Katie blinked slowly at her and sprayed herself with misty or rose and rose and said, Come on, let's find a spot to wait the night out. As they opened the door, the attendant said, Hey ladies, ching ching bling. Giggling, she answered, I'll do one better, and she gave her a fiver and a fist bump. She left the scene of her past overdose of a swagger. She no, no longer felt frustrated or lost. She knew what she had to do. She was choosing to return back to Vestavia. Huddled in the corner behind the crowd of guys practising a two-step routine to Hotel Bling by Drake, he listened to Katie's experience. She shouted and Benny strained to listen. His new surroundings were too much. Astride was intrigued. She wanted to know if she could visit too. Katie bullishly insisted that she needs to go back every night. Astride laughed and said, you'd only get a few minutes of meditation before you get kicked out. Undeterred, Katie said, I'll find a way. Before closing, we can hide somewhere. Like voyeurs in a backstreet show, they watched the room. Groups of guys sounding like wild animals shouted drunken nonsense to each other. Some stumbled by and others stood on their own, swaying, gazing at the dance floor. She had not noticed this before. But now her sharp eyes bared all. She smelt pungent smells, mainly body odour, and the air was thick of breath. Frequently she was knocked or nudged. She wasn't having a good time. She was just waiting. Those that were drunk seemed to be having a party in their head. They could be anywhere and be just as happy. She noticed a few others but weren't drinking. They looked as if they were waiting too. Maybe when you're sober, you're just waiting for a good time, she thought. A whiff of vodka caught her attention, she thought. I can't stand this, I need a shot. She turned to the empty bar and asked the barmaid for a couple. Astride tugged her arm and said, No, it'll stop you from going back. How do you know? Drink ruins your sleep, trust me. It could even be dangerous. You don't want to get trapped between worlds. Katie disagreed, but was stopped by a clinking of glasses behind her ear. An old Texan voice whispered, Leave the viper's poison tonight, my dear. She turned and saw no one, but she smells a strong smell of Tennessee whiskey. Mister, she said aloud. Who's mister? questioned Astride. You know, the guy from Soul Lake, the lake which plays you what you must hear. Astride said, even more of a reason not to drink. You're hearing things. Time passed slowly and slowed further when guys approached slurring their speech, saying lines like, you've got sexy eyes. Where are you from? Spain or Greece? Astride had a guy stop and stare oddly and then say, I love geek chic. She replied, thanks. I wake up like this. That encouraged him to stay longer, leering and wobbling. Reaching a climax of irritation, Katie took their hands and led them out of the R&B room and up another flight of stairs. Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody tickled their eardrums. Katie announced gleefully, The Cheese Room, a safe place from pests. On a multicoloured flashing dance floor, Katie coaxed the others up. With the hands, she pretended to feed the pigeons, stack the shells and dig the garden. Eventually, Astride dropped her shoulders. Uptime Girl by Billy Joel turned Benny into a slow-turning merry-go-round. Opening his arms wide, he mimed the words. Astride copied and danced towards him. Together they spun and pointed in all directions. A guy, red in the face, dancing out of time with three others, frequently glanced over. She'd been doing her best to not make eye contact, but eventually she realised he wasn't making her eyes at her, but Astride, she thought, apparently geek chic is in. She boldly strutted in his direction, to be halted by Astride. She whispered assertively, 
I'm capable of talking for myself. Oh, I thought you were shy. Katie, I'm a fantasy geek, but shy? Come on. Geek is a mean thing to say. She held Katie's hands and said, Not at all. I think whoever says it is recognising the other's intellectual superiority. I'm your geek, Katie. Katie tuttered and checked the phone. There was an hour to go. They'd not found a place to hide, she said. Let's go to the smoking area to talk. They walked up another flight of stairs and through an open fire exit that led them onto the balcony, overlooking the town's congested main road. They hugged their own bodies and stood near the door to catch the warm draught. The area was packed with herds of shivering students. Astri said, everyone must be Scottish to survive this. Through chattering teeth, Benny replied, no, most have their own oral heat source. I bet the vapours are, though. A concoction of vanilla fragrance and cigarette smoke swirled around. Katie got straight to business. She suggested several hiding spots. The women's toilets, the cloakroom, behind an unused bar, all were turned down. After a moment's silence, Astrid said, the fire escape. Peering through the door, they could see it had stairs leading down at least two floors. Perfect, said Katie. They continued to wait until a security guard, standing on the perch overlooking the crowd, who Benny nicknamed the Sentinel, looked the other way. Now, said Katie. Her and Astrid slipped out the door and down the stairs. Benny hesitated at the top. Katie whispered loudly, come on. Keeping an eye on the sentinel, Benny froze. Benny, live a little, come on, Astride insisted. The sentinel turned a serious, worn face in their direction. Ting, 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 ting. Benny's feet pattered down the steel steps towards them. All right, girls, down the rabbit hole we go. Thank you for listening to Waking Wraith. Please follow Festavia on our social media profiles on Facebook and Instagram. And chapter eight will be out very soon. Thank you.